from making 500,000 naira monthly to 3 million naira monthly. From running a business in the urban areas in Nigeria to empowering women in rural areas in Nigeria, these two spectacular entrepreneurs bear it all. The highs, the lows, and the challenges they face in running a business. Welcome to the Tony Elumelu Foundation Audio Stories on Entrepreneurship in Africa. My name is Amdi Salam, and I am the founder of Shark Bites Foods, where we produce healthy organic superfoods like baobab powder, baobab oil, tiger nuts, date powder. So basically, we just deal with healthy organic superfoods. Uh, and I'm the 2017 Tony Miller Entrepreneur. My name is Odekon Emmanuel Kolarile. I'm of the batch of 2016. Um, into catfish farming. Uh, I was doing a fresh fish farming. But with the help of the seed capital, I've now moved my farming business into processing of the catfish. Salam, talk about your business, you know, in more depth. Yeah, What is it? How is it structured? Where is it located? Okay, so basically we are officially registered in Lagos, but we produce from Gombe states, not East Nigeria. And that is because that's where we get our raw materials from. So I happen to come from Gombe State. And no, but if, if your business is your sourcing from the Northeast, and are you actually based in Lagos? You know, what are the logistics of getting the raw material, the resources into, in, into Lagos? So basically what we do is we source this agricultural product and then we process them into foods. Whenever I have to produce, I go all the way to Gombe State, where I produce there during the period of production. So you're a farmer? Yeah, I wouldn't. I would okay. I would say I'm a farmer and also a processor as well. But because I'm not specifically the one who is um, farming this product, so what we do is that once in a while we organize training for farmers in our community to ensure that they stick to the organic standards of our product. Of our product. So basically, when we train them, they maintain the organic production, and then we are able to offset their product and then process them into these healthy foods. So are you saying basically you identify farmers who produce organic food, right? And and so how did you how did you go about finding these farmers? Okay, so basically because um, how, what's their understanding of organic and non-organic? Okay, so basically um, we try to enlighten them about using organic things like um organic compost manure and the rest as an alternative to chemical fertilizers. So basically what we do is that we teach them how to make this organic compost and then they use it to enrich their products. How many farmers are actually doing that right now? So far we have about 10 farmers that we're working with and because of the baobab tree is actually a wild tree so it doesn't necessarily have to be um, a farmer's product what we just do is that we have is that but for our other products like sesame and the rest we train them on organic farming and so what's the commercial relationship between you the 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 distributor or the buyer and the suppliers the farmers okay so basically we when we train them when their products are ripe for harvest we are able to offset that product. We pay them for their products. And then for the women who are involved in the processing stage, we also gather them. They process, so they are kind of like our casual workers. So we gather them during production. We Where does the processing take place? In Gombe State, Kautungo okay. local governments. And so everything takes place in, in the state, yeah. and then you bring the processed food, food. to... So your market 
for your products is is Lagos. Yes, it is. Lagos happens to be our market and because how big is this market and how how much have you penetrated? Okay, so so far um, we currently work with um, health stores in Lagos where we are involved with organic foods. We partner. We have about three of those stores in Festac. We are now selling our product there. So it's the market is actually wide because we have different sectors of our target market. We have people who are diabetics. We have people who have sickle cell issues. Um, people who have low immune system, calcium deficiency. These are people who make up our market. And so because we are trying to still create that awareness about the benefits of consuming these healthy superfoods, we are working with people in the health sector to promote knowledge about this product and the use for those people. I'm going to come back to you in a minute. Kola, talk to us about your fish farm or your catfish farm, yeah? How did you start your business um, and, you know, what have been some of the amazing opportunities and challenges for you? Thank you so much. i like to start by saying I actually started this fish farming business far back in 2007. I started with a vat of a capacity of 1,000 liters, which is only capable of stocking 60 pieces of catfish. And it takes six months to raise a fingerlings to a table size of one kilogram. So having done the very first batch of my farming, and it was a success, I decided to plunge back the little profit I made then into expanding the business. So, When you say it was successful, what does that mean? That you had buyers and, and you discovered that there was a that you had more buyers than you had the product? Exactly. Uh, the 60 pieces couldn't even go beyond my street, not to talk of the market. I've not even penetrated the market yet. It was just like an experimental phase. Catfish, aquaculture, how do we get into the market? Is there a market for catfish? Is it really through what people are saying about catfish market? So with the 60 pieces, just a single buyer cleared all. So that gave me an impression that indeed catfish farming is lucrative, but I wasn't carried away because I knew it was just 60 pieces. So I plunged back the little profit I made then into expanding. So from 60, I went to 200. So on and on, I was not able to raise a little amount of money that was not able to build me the first concrete pond. And so what's required in, in you know, from going to fingerlings, is that what you call them? to a fully grown catfish. I mean, what's, what's, what's the equipment, et cetera? What is it you need in order to do it so our audience can understand what does it take to raise catfish? Yeah, basically, time would not permit. What you need, you could use anything that can sustain water or hold water. As long as you have anything that can hold water, your fish can definitely survive. And we're not going to be going to the science part so of that. So where is your catfish? Where My is catfish is in Lagos, yeah. I operate right here in Lagos. In the city center? In the city center, in the urban center, yeah. Because I'm very, very centrally located to the major markets in Lagos. And that's one of the uh, plus that I have in my own business. And we have also discovered from research that even fishes from the north, from Nigeria Republic comes all the way to my 12, which I'm very, very close to. But what we have discovered was that the way they process their own fish is not as hygienic and good for consumption. So we intend to also catch in into that gap that can we provide the consumer a more hygienic fish that they can eat. How do I know that your fish is more hygienic than... 
Yes, if it's, it's by side saying when you compare the way they package and process this with the way we package and process us, the, the difference is clear. So packaging and processing assumes that you have outlets and those outlets are what? Are they supermarkets? Can you talk about that? Yeah, presently now I only have two uh, fast foods that takes off my processed catfish. But majorly I sell to the market women. I have empowered some vulnerable women that are probably looking for something to do, but they lack the finance. Mm-hmm. We found them, empowered them, had a talk. Thank you. Had a talk with them that can we provide you with a processed catfish? You sell, you make your money, give us back our own money. So they don't have to pay in advance. That is the empowerment part of it. So it's um, payment on sales. On sale. Yeah, that's just for a set of the market and um, target customers that we have. But for the eatery, the fast foods, they pay. Um, so talk to me about some of the challenges of running this particular kind of business. Uh, one of the greatest challenges we have is the feeding. Feeding of the catfish takes nothing less than 70% of the cost of production. And I'm very unfortunate that the best kind of feed that is needed by this catfish are imported feeds that could also be called floating feeds. So with the policies that we have on importation duties, it has actually affected the pricing of importing these floating feeds into the country. And that is what we depend on majorly. To can't you make those floating fish here? Can, can't you produce that in this country? We should, but the, truth, the reality is that it's capital intensive. Uh, there is a machine called extruded machine. That is the only machine that is capable to process a feed in such a way that it will enable the feed to float. If we have a platform that could reach those, we'll probably have what it takes to get us some of these machines. We have them. We have some of them that are already doing that in Nigeria, but it's still not yet enough. So if we can get access to them and get to negotiate with them the pricing, then I think it also goes, it trickles down into the price, the cost that will sell our own fish in the market. So floating fish is one challenge. What are some of the other challenges in your business? Yes, post-harvest losses. And good enough as well, I've been able to, to a Milo seed capital, purchase a smoking king. If I'd actually rested my business catfish farming on fresh fish, I would definitely be having issues. But because I now have a smoking king, once I discovered that my margin had been reached, I stopped, put them into the smoking king, just smoke them. So it's interesting, you know, listening to the the catfish, you know, value chain, supply chain. What have been some of your challenges in terms of, you know, the sourcing of healthy foods and finding the market who will then pay for the healthy foods? Okay, so now the problem we currently face now, say first of all, is um, getting farmers to embrace this organic way of farming. Because you you have a farmer who is growing on a large scale, and before he's able to prepare a compost which enables him to grow um, product in large scale, it's going to cost him to grow that compost manure. So what we basically do is that we try to make sure that they uh, are able to pick um, all the necessary things that they need, the raw materials that they need in preparing the compost beforehand, and then they pro- they process this, and eventually they're able to get their compost that allows them to cover a large scale. So uh, another challenge we currently face is the issue of logistics. 
Now, the cost of transporting these are products from the north down to the south. Wow. It's pretty expensive. And then this affects the pricing of our product. This is the customer who's going to end up paying yeah. for that. Yeah. And then because our product is kind of like a novel product down south here, we are still trying to create this awareness for people to embrace it. And then when you are bringing in a new product and people have to pay a high price for something that is new, it actually turns people off. Is your business really viable? I believe my business is viable because of the um, the properties or what I say the content of this product. Like I said, some of the people we uh, we sell our products to are people who have issues with diabetes, um, sickle cell, and rest. So they have. I have actually had a couple of my customers who have actually called me and said that okay, do you since I've been consuming your product, I usually get less frequent attacks from asthma. Um, Very good. Their sugar level has not been spiking up because of the consumption of the um, our healthy foods. And, all. and because our product is actually in a three-chain market um, angle, our product actually has benefits in terms of um, in the cosmetic industry because the oil of the baobab um, fruits is actually used in the cosmetics industry. And you're supplying to the cosmetics yes, industry? Yes, we are supplied to the cosmetics industry. Mm-hmm. We supply to those in the beverage and health industry. And then we are also trying to see if we can work with those in the pharmaceutical industry. Brilliant. We can actually develop um, well-focused organic drugs. So talk about the size and the scale of your business, the number of people you employ, the kinds of revenues that your business is generating. Okay, so before we got the Tony Lumelu um, seed capital, we're just kind of like doing a market survey of the product. So we just buy the product in small quantity and then we sell to those down south here. And then because when we got the Tony Lumelu Foundation seed capital, it enabled us to increase our capacity, our production capacity. We have so far, initially, we had just um, two women who were helping me to produce this baobab fruit and all. But since we got the capital, we'll be able to employ about five women who are involved in this production capacity and then this is increased income for them and their families as well. So the seed capital has also helped us to get a machine which we use for extracting the oil as well. So it has really gone a long way in helping us. What I love listening to you is, you know, here is an urban-based business. Your business is an urban-based, yeah? And yet it's actually um, empowering and employing um, you know, farmers and women in the rural area. And that's one of the things that we're noticing in terms of the, the program that, um, that, you know, that, you know, that nearly 29, 30% of the businesses that we're supporting are actually rural based. And, and it's really good to hear your story that how you're leveraging your urban base to support rural based um, communities here. Yes, uh, good enough. The catfish farming business, if you don't unnest the value chain, then obviously you might not really need more workforce. I have five women that are working with me. We have nothing less than 50 youths that are working with our network now on farming in Agboa because we have also added another farming into our farm because we discovered that the water we generate from our fish pond is highly useful to crop production because it's rich in organic content you don't like he said we are trying these days to discourage the use of chemicals so and if we're discouraging the use of chemicals where do we get the alternative the alternatives are gotten from the waste 
of disorder livestock. We are working hard to now make sure that we build an integrated farm such that we have the livestock and we have the crop farm. So instead of you just wasting your fish pond water, you divert your fish pond water as irrigation into your own crop. So with this, it has enabled us to have a lot of youths that are just coming out of the universities. They don't have job immediately for them to do now. They can come on board and learn these skills. Um, what, what's your kind of word of advice to, to entrepreneurs who are about to start? For those entrepreneurs who, or for those who are planning to become entrepreneurs, I think the best thing you have to do is, first of all, get knowledge in whatever sector it is you want to go to. You have to first of all get that knowledge and then you have to get the experience one way or the other. Should it be maybe you work under a certain industry, you get the experience from there and then you are able to decide then whether you really want to go into this business or not. So focus. Focus. Cool yes, I would like to encourage the young entrepreneurs not to be afraid to start. And when they are starting, they should start small. When I started, there was a lot of fears. I, my, my inspirations was actually drawn from poverty. Let me put it that way. It came to a stage where life becomes so miserable that I felt, what else do I do as a graduate? And that was when I started with 60 pieces of fingerlings. And then that journey then became what is becoming. Today, by the grace of God, I make a sales of nothing less than 120,000 daily. Both of your stories are so inspiring. You are both urban-based businesses that are very, very much facilitating rural-based, you know, producers of, you know, both of the products that you're both using. Yeah. So well done, and thank you so much for sharing your zero to hero journey. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you.